created live on Fireside. So guys, welcome to YNS Live with my guest, Mark Champagne. I cannot wait, and I know I say this every time, but to dive into this because this is really fun. You know that everyone that listens to my Your Next Stop or my YNS Live and that has been following me, you guys know that I like to do a little bit of research, but I love the story unfolding as I was telling Mark. And as I started to do a little research, I was like, oh my gosh, okay, I got to shut it down because Mark is my first male that, um, and you guys know, you know, I have a husband and two sons, so I'm not just for females, but when I started my journey and started my business, it really was connecting with women that were in a similar position to me as our kids were growing older. So I am just so excited to welcome Mark Champagne to YNS Live and Fireside. How are you, Mark? I'm 100%. I'm so excited to, to be here. I love the clapping. The clapping I know, isn't is it fun? so awesome, right? It really is. <laughs> it really is. Um, okay, so a little bit about Mark. He is the author of Personal Socrates and the podcast Behind the Human. And really what he loves, and we're going to have him dive into it, but it's questions. And anyone <laughs> that knows me knows how much I love questions. I have raised my kids for so long to ask questions, never not ask questions questions are how we learn and how we just be become better humans. So I am excited wherever you guys are listening to this. If you're listening live on LinkedIn, which we are right now, hi guys on LinkedIn, Mark, I know you're pretty prevalent on LinkedIn as well. So we are splashed up on there right now. And uh, we also are on uh, Twitch and um, Twitter and Facebook for, for you guys that are listening in there. Welcome. And then I know there's going to be people jumping in. There's a bunch of shows going on Fireside right now. So Mark, I just wanted to say welcome and thank you so much for being a guest. Well, thank you. I feel so privileged to be the first male on the show. It's right? exciting. <laughs> well, when I, when I actually, because I, I, we found each other on LinkedIn, I believe. Yeah. Right. And, um, and it was right away. I was, we kind of went back and forth with some voice notes and connected. I was like, Oh my God, this Mark is totally going to be my first male guest because you just have a great energy. Everything you're doing again is right up my alley. I've, you know, listened to your podcast and, uh, the book I have not read yet, but I have it on my list to have, and I actually am getting it on audible. So I just, I love that you guys are, um, you know, I love what you're doing. So I would love for you guys just to, you to give us a little bit of who you are and kind of how you found this role of where you are just um, inspiring others. Yeah, absolutely. First, thank you for the audible because that was a real situation to record and it was charging, so I appreciate it. Uh, So who am I? I mean, I would say right now, because I really do think we we evolve uh, with the answer of that and and who we are as, as life evolves, just like our questions do. But right now, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm a curious human being that is really, really excited about the questions, but also the mental fitness practices that allow all sorts of people to just, you know, be present and, and have a thriving mind. That, that just really lights me up. So that's where, you know, that's where I'm at right now. Which I totally get because, again, anyone that has listened to the shows, um, curiosity is something that is super important to me. I think that's a way that we, again, just learn more. But the reason why I love being a podcast host and having these live shows is because I'm a super curious person. And I love just asking questions that maybe others don't 
ask because of the way I listen. I love hearing the stories kind of unfold. And, um, and I, it's, it's fun, right? When, when you, when you realize when you're on a question or you just get like excited about asking someone something, there's something that goes on in your brain and in your gut. Like it really is a connection for me in both of those. And it's like, I just, I can't wait to ask this question and I can't wait to ask this question. So one of the, my first questions I would ask you is like, where did you grow up? Did you always have this entrepreneurial um, spirit? Did you love English and history? Like give us a little bit of background on you. (laughs) Yeah, none of that actually uh, (laughs) links back to childhood, which is so crazy. Because I mean, I've never, I never really envisioned writing a book. Uh, Definitely never envisioned writing a book called Personal Socrates. I mean, I didn't study philosophy or anything like that. And also never really had any ambition or desires to be an entrepreneur in that world. It just, it kind of just happened. Yeah. And in the sense that, what was very clear for me, at least growing up, I grew up in a, a small town uh, about four hours outside of uh, Toronto, Canada. And then after university, uh, moved uh, to closer to that city. I, there was always this fascination with, I remember as a kid, with the traffic, which obviously now I'm not super fascinated by. But at the time, like just the excitement and, and all the energy that the city uh, provided, and then this this idea of wow, there's like really interesting things happening here in business and whatnot, and that that started my journey in the corporate world where I was. I first started in sales, which I mean, you're always asking a lot of questions, and you have to be. I shouldn't say you have to be, but if you're good at your job, usually you're listening to the actual responses or being doing everything possible to be present. And that's essentially where my journey started with mental fitness, even though I wasn't speaking about it in those terms. And and I didn't even know that term. I don't even think that term existed at that time. But I just remember being hired in the healthcare space with a whole group of people and that we were all going for three weeks of training, you know, for sales at that time and thinking, well, how possibly can I stand out in a sales function if we're all being trained in the same way in the same program, right? And for me, it was then jumping into the idea of, well, can I get up a little bit earlier and just start reading positive content and start fueling my mind with with good material, for example. And, and that just kept going year after year for about eight years, eight plus years of doing that, which led me to questions and the idea or the practice of reflection, which we could also call journaling. And uh, eventually, after going through sales and analytics and the, the bulk of my corporate career was spent in product and brand management uh, on these massive brands, like hundred million dollar brands, big teams and all these different things. But there was always this frustration in the journaling space because I had been doing it every, essentially every morning to help me personally and professionally. There was this frustration with the digital tools that were out there for the practice. It just didn't exist. And at that time you had you had apps like Headspace and Calm for meditation that were doing really well. Um, so people were obviously interested in being guided digitally, but there was nothing for the reflective practice like journaling. And that's essentially what, what you know, tossed me into the entrepreneurial world. And, and I'm so thankful for because, you know, now I've really, I, I actually enjoyed, you know, my job in the corporate space. It wasn't one of those scenarios where I couldn't stand driving into work. But now I've really found the work that lights me up. So that's that's the very abbreviated version of the last probably 15 to 17 years or so. But 
uh, it's been a real journey. No, and you said it perfectly because I think in in doing what you were doing, you, you know, you were able to be curious, right? So it wasn't that you yeah. weren't doing what you weren't meant to do. It just, that's what you were meant to do at that time. And I feel the same. I yeah, was in well sales said. as well. And I was in um, in advertising sales. So I was able to still kind of have that curiosity because it was like, going out and looking and I did alternative advertising. So finding and being creative, even though I didn't naturally necessarily think of myself as being creative. Now that I look back on it, it was, and all of that, that I learned there kind of has pivoted me to the spot where I am now. So I think that's what, you know, a lot of people will sometimes think, oh, I'm, I'm doing something completely different or how does my, you know, past tie into what I'm doing now. And if really we stop and think about it, we actually do, right? There is a really, there is always like, if you really think about it and kind of dissect it, it's like, oh, that's where I got those skills. And the reason why I got those skills is because this is what I'm really meant to be doing now. Um, So yeah. Well, the biggest thing for me that that I've really noticed in retrospect is that, because I do a lot of work with, uh, corporate teams in, mm-hmm. in talking about mental fitness and how these practices can can be incorporated really easy on the individual level, but then also, you know, asking better questions when you're, you're faced with business challenges. And it's all linked together, obviously, you know, if you're, yeah. when your mind is thriving personally, that's when you do your best thinking, that's when you're most present, that's when you can, uh, you know, be there for yourself as well as others. It's really hard to do good work when we're stressed or overwhelmed and, you know, have, have, have moments of anxiety and all that. It's just, it, we can do it, but it's like pushing a boulder up the mountain. Right. Right. So what, what's been really fascinating and I think a bit unique at least, or what I really enjoy is that through practicing, you know, all these different modalities and having used them for about eight or nine years in the corporate space, now that I'm super focused on the actual questions and diving even deeper into the practices, I can link up the examples, right? It's not just right. this, oh yeah, you know, these, cause these practices have been around for thousands of years. It's not like I'm inventing that or, or, or inventing questions, but I think it's the relatability and in, in, in linking that together, yeah. you know, that makes it actually powerful because I, I know what it's like to be a brand manager and putting together a brand strategy with all these different inputs and whatnot. And here's what you can use to, to, to help be more clear and intentional with your work. But then also when you go home at the end of the day or sign out, you know, virtually, um, how do you transition? So you're there for your family and yourself as well, right? It's just the, I think the relatability of those two worlds that I'm so thankful that I came from that space because without that, uh, I'm not saying it wouldn't be valuable, obviously, but I think it'd just be very different, very different. Right. No, I hear you. And I think, you know, what you touched on there is really important. And this is what I talk about constantly on my podcasts. Um, and, and when I'm consulting people is there's times in our lives that we're not in the flow, right? I, I truly believe that whether you believe in God or the universe, that we all have a purpose, right? We all have a purpose yeah. and not, not all of us find it. Not all of us find it. It's just yeah. not meant to happen, but not, uh, and some of us find it accidentally. Others soul search and that's how they find it. But I really think it's important that we pause our bodies or find a place that we can be creative and daydream and and really just listen, right? Listen to what the universe or God is kind of sending you or putting you in, mm-hmm. in your path. Um, and so I have my, like when you were talking about morning routine, um, I have my morning routine. It's a very specific one, um, not always, but the one part that's 
after I send my kids to school is I always walk my dogs. And when yeah. I where it rains, snow or whatever, but that is where I find the most clarity. I hear, you know, I can really be in touch. Um, I listen to what, what I'm, you know, what I'm meant to be doing. That's where I get the most creativeness out of it. And so whether it's a morning routine, because some people think, oh, that I have to meditate or I have to journal or I have to do all these things. And no, you really don't. Yes. Are they successful for many people? Yes. But you need to yeah. find what works for you. And totally. so if like, for me, it's it's moving, right? If I sit too long, <laughs> I'm thinking about the laundry and thinking about other things. For me, I need to move. So I need to move. And that's where I kind of, my body becomes the most calm. My mind opens up the most. And I really can do my best work when I'm doing that. I always have, you know, my phone where I can send myself a voice note like, oh, think about this or think about that. Yeah. Um, so I would love for you to touch on that. So a little bit, and yeah. I know that's big for you as well. Well, you just, you know, kind of indirectly brought up the three big buckets that I think are the most important for establishing and also maintaining a long-term mental fitness routine. And, and those buckets for me have been having some element of movement, as you said, having an element of learning, and then having an element of reflection. And you can combine those, obviously, as well, which you're essentially you're doing, uh, and I do that as well. But the, the critical point in the whole formula is that you have to find things within those buckets that light you up, right? Yes. To your point, I mean, I can, it's been, I, how many interviews now? 250 or so interviews with all these incredible humans that have all these different practices can definitely rhyme off, like get up an hour earlier, <laughs> meditate, journal, do some yoga, uh, you know, um, do some breath work. I mean, you know, spend an hour every morning doing these things. And, and if you do them, absolutely, you'll see the results. But I mean, it doesn't necessarily link and relate to your life and what's going on, right? So let's just remove that pressure altogether. Because then all of a sudden, you, you, I've, I've heard this so many times, you get into these narratives of, I have to get my meditation in, which kind of defeats the purpose of the meditation, right? Right, 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 right. So, so the first thing, but I think if you can focus on those three buckets, you really can't go wrong. I mean, that's where you really get a lot of value, I think, out of mental fitness. Then the next question that you ask from, from that, that process in relation to movement, reflection, and learning um, is what are the practices, the activities, or the people? Like, what are those things that I know will trigger a smile on my face or make me feel good? And then that's where right. it becomes very specific for us. You know, for me, I agree. So for me, walks after lunch, even 10 minutes just to move the body, help digest, all of that. There's health benefits there, but doing that without a podcast or without any music, which was challenging before because we're not programmed like that. We're, I'm going to take a walk. We're programmed. I need to learn in those 10 minutes, like get it in, right? Especially for right. people that are motivated in that, in that, in that, uh, in that context. Um, but if you can, again, just take that time for me, the 10 minute walk is, is valuable because then it sets me up, clears my mind for the rest of the afternoon. Journaling has been a big one. Uh, Peloton spin classes, for sure. It doesn't matter what's going on. I mean, I'm in a different state after that. But again, that, you know, that works, works for me. So just asking the question, what lights me up? What are the things that I know that I can turn to? whether that's in the morning with your routine or any other time of the day, if something bothers you that you, no matter what, know that that will flip your mood. And then now you have this toolkit, right? That can be part of your consistent training 
or used in those acute situations where left un, unmet or left undealt with, or I should say, just just pulls us down the rest of the day. That's that's when our mind starts right. to loop, right? And then yeah. all of a sudden our mind's fogged or we have all these decisions or the emotions are, are, uh, are flaring up. And that's where it becomes really hard to do our best work or personally show up for ourselves and our family and our friends and, and all of that, right? So these are quick things. I mean, 10, 10 minutes can, can, can immediately reset you for the day. And one question can as well, right? You know, what can I celebrate about my life today? If you're in a state of, you know, anger or fear or anxiety, I mean, just pausing and asking that question stops that narrative immediately. Right. It really does. And I love everything you just said there. And I think another thing that's really important, and I always talk to my listeners about this, because again, right, there's a, there's a lot of things that you can do to make your mornings, your day go in a better way, right? But yeah. as you said, like the Peloton always, the Peloton always turns you up. So that's, I always, uh, and I haven't done it in a little while. I have taken some time off because my body needs a little bit of rest, but I do pretty yeah. heavy lifting, do, you know, like fast moving workouts. And that always gets yeah. me where my brain is clear. But it's funny because people will say to me, okay, well then when you like, don't you get that, like where you have the clarity? And I was like, no, no, no. When I work out, I have to focus on what I'm doing, right? Because I'm lifting weights. I need to make sure I'm doing the moves correctly because I do it at home. <laughs> and so I can't go, I can't let my brain wander. If I let my brain wander, I know yeah. I'm going to get hurt, right? So I need to focus on what I'm doing. Whereas with Peloton, sometimes if you're just spinning, you can let your brain go a little bit because it's like, okay, I'm just moving my legs and moving my legs, but you know that for yourself. And that's why I know for myself when I'm walking the dogs yeah. and taking that time, I know how to walk, right? I don't have to focus on walking. So it yeah. is a very specific thing that each person needs to do. So like when I do yoga or meditate in the very traditional way, my brain just starts really going because I have a very yeah. fast moving brain and people will say, well, it's because that's what you need. You need to slow it down. And I'm like, yes, for periods of time. But I know I am not someone that can do yoga for all the time. Like I can do it here and there, but it doesn't light my fire. It doesn't mm -hmm. do what I need it to do. Maybe yes, it gives me a good stretch. And sometimes that's what my body needs. But sometimes we need to think what our mind and body need at the same time instead of kind of separating. I mean, yes. you know, sometimes separating those two. Sometimes it's like, well, no, because when my body might need it, I need to find something that my mind and body are doing it because I'm literally doing yoga and I'm either thinking of everything else that I need to do. And it's kind of defeating the purpose of what I'm yeah. supposed to be doing at the moment. So what are your thoughts on that? Oh, I mean, 100%. And I think the other thing too, that we can relieve that, that pressure that we put on ourselves to think that, okay, you know, maybe you can get value out, out of your yoga, but the timing of it in your life right now is is not necessarily right like maybe you'll need just like you said i mean you're, you're normally lifting weights and whatnot but your body needed a rest right and that's that's okay but that's where the list comes into play because you have other things on the list i think it was about maybe three or four years ago where i don't know what happened but i was able to disconnect the you know the 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 activities that i felt like i had to do every morning with just prioritizing the time Mm -hmm. And the time is key. Like, again, for me, it's, it's, it works in the morning. And I, I would say 80 plus percent of at least the people that I study, the morning is, is where it's at. Because after, after the morning, essentially life happens. And you just, right. your chances of success on, on, on nailing your, your practices and your routine and, and the things that you know will, will make you feel good and perform well just goes down, you know, exponentially. Right. 
I saw that even writing, writing the book, you know, I, I used to write really early in the morning and I'll never forget, oh, you know, sleep is important. I need to make sure that I have enough sleep. So I'll shift the writing till 2 p.m. I know I have, like, this is all happening in warp speed. I'm not even out of the bed yet, right? Like how many times have we <laughs> negotiated with ourselves like this? Yes. And then of course, what happens when 2, 2 p.m. rolls around? I mean, you don't even know that 2 p.m. has rolled right. around because so much has happened. The writing doesn't get done. And the same thing as, you know, goes for, for your other practices. But if you can dedicate the time and for me that that is early morning but it's been 12 years of, of practicing and, and fine-tuning you know for me i get up at 5 30 and there's an element there's one hour there roughly of mental and physical fitness in those in those three buckets and sometimes it is breath work because that's what feel you know that's what it, yes. it feels like i need that sometimes it might be a, a 10 minute meditation or uh usually there's always some sort of journaling mixed in there and same, same thing with exercise. It's not always Peloton spins. I mean, there's strength. There's sometimes just a long early morning walk yes. um, that, that happens and, and so forth. So I guess my point is that if you're just starting out, and even if you have a practice started already, I mean, just release that pressure. Like, mm-hmm. You don't need more pressure, right? It, there's, a, there's enough that can fire us up in the day. So like, let's relieve the pressure on the practices and just take some time in, in reflection to think about that that list or that toolkit that you can pull from and then kind of plug and play and, and be open and experiment, see what works. And you'll also see what works best in specific situations because our, our lives go up and down like this, right? So our practices should also evolve with our lives. And I, and I, I extend that same thought process with the questions in our lives. A good question, a good quality question is, is a question that's timed well, right? Yes. Like there are questions that, that pulled me out of a, essentially out of a depression after my, uh, after the, my journaling app essentially exploded. Um, but if you ask that same question to me right now, it serves as a nice check-in, which was, uh, what do I want for my life? That's the question that pulled me out of it. Um, but it doesn't have the same power as it did, you know, three, four years ago when everything was exploding, let's just say. But there are other questions now that, that are, are, are very powerful. So I think that's it, it, the timing is really key. And when you, when you have any of these practices in play, the automatic thing that starts to happen is you start boosting your self-awareness. And then, then you can see uh, that's the question. That's the practice. That's the decision. I need to call that person. You know, then it becomes very clear. Yes, and I 100% agree with you. And I know you touched a little bit on your app exploding. And I know, you know, I want to touch on that a little bit, but not too much because then I want to go into the book um, and, uh, you know, about your favorite interviews and stuff. But I I did read somewhere where you had, I mean, this app was, it was huge. I mean, you were doing so well and it was a, a very quick speed. So can you take us a little bit through? your mindset when the app exploded, you know, where you were, as you said, you were, you know, struggling with, with a little bit of the depression, obviously. I mean, it was like, it's such yeah. a crazy time in your life. I mean, how, you know, and this is what I always say to people, even the strongest minds and the strongest people are going to go through different things in their life. And it's how we show yeah. up for ourselves is what the most important thing is. So uh, again, the strongest people can go through the hardest things because we're all human. Right. And, totally. and, and so, yeah. So if you can just take us a tiny little, little bit about that time in your life yeah. um, and what, what was the, one of the biggest things that you learned about yourself? Sure. I mean, the, the quickest story is 
you know, the app exploded in two different ways, actually. First, the app exploded in the sense of, you know, we got, we got the, the, the product on the market. I had spent a lot of time uh, as the rest of the team was building the product. I was spending time bringing in really great brands and people loaded full of content to help guide people through their journaling practice. And the first explosion was that we ended up reaching 86.9 million people in yes. the app store, the app impression, which is mind boggling to just even <laughs> say the number, right? Yes. Um, we didn't have any experience in the app space and, and those numbers are just uh, out of this world. But in the same year, that took about two years to, to achieve that number. And in the same year, at the end, I was looking at that number. I, I'll never forget that point. I was in Toronto, Canada in a co-working space. I had the Apple dashboard up. Any people that have apps, you know what I'm talking about. And I'm looking at the App Store impressions, looking at this 86.9 million people. And the next step is to hit delete from App Store. And that was the second explosion that was even bigger because it wasn't just deleting an app. I was deleting my identity for the last three years. Right. I was deleting my plan to stay in this space because I remember when I left the corporate world, the question I had asked at that time was, well, what's the worst that can happen? If it all fails, it doesn't work. I can come back. I'm not leaving this, this space unhappy. And Throughout those three years, I came to the realization that this is the work, as I said, right? Like I found my true work. So now going back, the backup plan just did not feel right. So now I don't have a backup plan. I just deleted the, the vehicle that was keeping me in the space. I was max stressed when it came to finances and, you know, where we were living was always supposed to be temporary. Everything was temporary to, to get this business really off the ground. And all of that just exploded. And yeah, th those, were the, those were the hardest times of my life because at the same time, at, the, at that moment, I think my, my now five-year-old was two. And <sighs> you know, as a, as a mom, I mean, we were doing everything possible you know, to shield him from any of the stress. But I mean, they pick up on everything, right? So yeah. I had that in the back of my mind. You know, am I causing, you know, serious deep scars at a young age? And that's not fair uh, for him. And so all that stuff was weighing, right? And questions like all the wrong questions, like how could we fail at such a colossal level? Like what would my family think? What would my ex-colleagues think, our advisors? Um, and those questions just, they lead you further and further down in the hole. Yeah. versus something that is progressive, which were the questions all of these stunning humans were leaving me with from the podcast for the app. And to your point, I mean, you make such a good point. I mean, I had access to all of the practices from billionaires to Olympians to best-selling authors, award-winning designers, all of them. But I was so crippled in fear and anxiety that that's the last thing I could even think about until right. just slowly, slowly, like micro reflecting my way out of this thing, which what I used was just the present moment, doing everything possible to tap into the present moment and gratitude practices. You know, something as simple as I'll, I'll never forget this because again, I'm sitting behind this laptop deleting this, this business and it felt terrible, but at the same time, I, I looked around and I'm like, you know what? I'm in this co-working space with such stunning humans. There's great coffee over there. The lights are on. I'm not fearing for my safety. And you know what? I just deleted this app on a laptop that most people in the world don't have. So 
right. just a quick, you know, everything felt like it was exploding and it was in many different ways, but there's always something there, I think, that we can use for perspective shift. So that's what I kept hanging on to day after day. And, and you know, I, I, I give a lot of thanks to the people like uh, Ryan Holiday, you know, uh, the author of, of several books, but at the time for me, it was The Daily Stoic mm-hmm. because, you know, Coming back to what we're talking about, for me, as my coffee was being made uh, in the morning, I took a few minutes to just read the one page, the one passage that was just enough to stop my mind from pulling in all of this 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 negative self-talk into the day and pause that, at least release it for a bit to know, okay, if I think back to these Stoics and, and, and philosophers thousands of years ago, they're going through the same stuff different, you know, different scenarios, but just as stressful, but, and they could figure it out. So can I, I'm not alone in this and here's what they did. So that's, that's, you know, these are the things that I think if we can pause ourselves on the autopilot of life, get off the treadmill. And, and for me, that's what a question does because the questions give us that pause, right? Then then there's just an expansion of, of what's possible and we can we can keep creeping towards what we're trying to do in our in our lives or, or first figure out what that is right which was that question that i asked that pulled me out of the whole scenario which is you know what do i want for my life like what does the ideal day look like if i had everything flowing in the right way like what would the morning look like the afternoon the evening uh, not to say that every day is this big happiness fest but at least spending some right. time understanding okay, well, you know, I, in the mornings, I'd like to be working on creative work or writing and doing these things. Um, the afternoons will be more of the, you know, meetings and, and this, like, if we don't do that, if we don't write that chapter for our lives, someone else writes it for us, right? right. It's going to happen. So I'd rather take some time. And I've noticed all these people that, that have been fortunate to interview also take that time to think. Right. Well, and I think you said the thing right there is, is, is taking the pause, you know, um, and you really painted the picture. And this is why I love storytelling of, of sitting at that laptop when you deleted it. Did you initially have like, was it a relief feeling or was it, uh, like, what do you remember? Like, cause I, I always feel like when people are making a very crucial, um, decision in their lives, they, at that moment, it, it either feels, okay, that was right. Or, oh, holy crap. I don't know if it was right. And then, you know, it either comes yeah. to head at a different point. So do you remember exactly what that feeling was right when you hit the delete? I do, because it was, it was a mix of both of those feelings. It, at the immediate feeling was a relief in the sense that now I can move on. Yeah. Because for a good month, we were doing everything possible to build some sort of export feature for our users because we, you know, it was always in the product roadmap, but we just weren't there yet. And, you know, we weren't, we weren't running a, a parking app. Like people had, I, I'll never forget. There was one email from, uh, from a mom saying that, uh, you know, really sort of hear this news. Um, the app has been great and I've used it to document the first six months of my newborn. Oh, I'm like, holy smokes. I mean, that just lands yeah. right in the heart, right? right? And I mean, there was just so many, so many scenarios like that when you're, you're talking about journaling and reflection. So, you know, that, that was weighing on us. So we did everything possible. We, we, we ended up releasing a, an export feature. It wasn't pretty, but it at least got people their information. Right. Um, 
so when I hit delete, you know, all of that stress at least stopped in the sense that, you know, we did, we, we did the right thing. We obviously didn't have the money to do that. I mean, just put us further in the hole, but right. we did, it felt like we did the right thing and there was some relief, but then shortly thereafter, the fear came in on like, now what, Right. you know, the reality of the situation, you know, right. kicked in and that's when it got, you know, felt real bad. Right. But I think of something that you touched on and you can just tell how your heart is. One of the things that that hurt you is that for the other people, you weren't thinking of yourself, right? Right. That just came across like you weren't really thinking of yourself. So some of that deleting it was really like for the other people, what they've done. It wasn't what your what your mind needed and what you at that moment needed and what your family needed. So I think sometimes that does get clouded, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And the whole team was, you know, we were all in this, because again, we were a small team and, and we ma- we came to that conclusion uh, as a team. And, you know, I, again, I give everyone uh, some virtual high fives and a lot of love on the other side, because we all had to do that together. And, you know, unanimously, everyone agreed and it felt right. And I think we all yeah. stand by that one. Yeah. Right. And it was, I mean, it was a, a part of your life that you learned so much. And now look what you're doing, yeah. right? So I'm going to pause because we're going to get into the book, but I just wanted to take a moment to introduce our sponsor. So this show is sponsored by TookTake. Do you always remember to take your meds or your vitamins? Most of us forget. And it's not really a character flaw. It's just one of those things like, oh, did I take that vitamin? If you, especially if you have three. So there is an easy solution. That works. So Took Takes works every day on liquid, on everyday stuff, liquid sprays, chews, drops, and pills. When you take a dose, you just pull the tab. And you guys can see here, it comes in really, really cool things. They just got in Walmart, they're on Amazon, but you can also go to tooktake.com. And it works for dogs, it works for kids, especially if you're someone that uh, the, the creator, Leanne, had cancer. And so she had all of these different pills she had to take. Her family was helping her and they didn't know how to do. So this is what this business came out of. So easily knowing if you took your pill, all you do is just pull off the thing. So children can do it. You can pull it off and put it on the back and you can reuse it. So if you guys like what you hear on this, please go to tooktake.com and you get 10% off by using Next Stop. So thank you, Leanne, for making this wonderful product because I know I've been using it for my vitamins and my dog's pills. It's definitely made life a lot easier. So thank you, tooktake.com. All right, Mark. So now I want to get- I need that for my vitamins. No, I know. It's actually great. And it's really works well with the with the dogs too, because it is and it's they come in these really great things. So they're daily, they're weekly, they're hourly. So really you yeah. t- all you do is just pull it. I mean, how many times are you like, did I take my vitamin C? I don't yeah. remember. Or especially the vitamin D. You don't want to have vitamin C, you can take it and it's not gonna harm you. But there's some vitamins that if you take too much, it's gonna upset your stomach. So you just take it right off and they're really easily done. And so you can do it tooktake.com. Boom. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Um, so, okay, I want to get into just the whole questions. I mean, this is, you know, again, one of the things that I love so much about what you're doing and what you've said. Um, take us a little bit into per- personal Socrates. And then I would love for you, I'm not going to quote the quote, but I would love for you to quote the quote because every time you say it, I just like want to scream. And so I just love it. So go for it. <laughs> love it. I love it. It's, I mean, it's real because it, I mean, I already shared some of that that journey of how one question, right? What do yes. I want for my life? Pulled me out of a of a dark place, and it was in reflection of how significant that moment was that the realization was made that at any point, any one of us are at 
are, are one question away from a completely different life, right? Yes. Or one question away from a completely different outcome. I mean, I lived it. I've, I saw it with, with people as well. I've seen how a question literally has saved a life before, or life before. And on a more micro level, on a daily, hourly level, we're also one question away from a completely different mood, right? Yes. That if we don't ask that question, you know, something as simple as a gratitude question of, you know, who, who's really there for me in my life? Can I send them a message and just say, hey, thinking of you? Um, and that's it. And you know, you're going to light up their day. Plus, they're going to light you up by probably saying thanks for that. I, you know, I didn't expect that. I mean, it's impossible to, to receive information like that or message uh, uh, like that and also be fearful and scared and, and not know what to do next type thing, which is what often happens, right? When we're, we're, we're fogged with emotion and whatnot. So that's why I just, I just love the idea that questions can pause any type of looping narrative because we're all New York Times bestsellers when it comes to the stories in our minds, right? Yes. They rarely ever come to fruition, but they feel a thousand percent real, right? So for me, a book about questions, which is what, what personal Socrates is, combined with stories and people that we can relate with either their work or uh, them as a human being, like that's when it becomes powerful that combination. And I'm just going back to what worked for me, right? Which was taking questions and, and deploying them in, t- in moments that are well-timed. And a, and a well-timed question usually is triggered by some sort of story, right? Yes. Or some sort yes. of, and you've brought this up already, like some sort of relatable event or situation. So the book, I mean, the, the subtitle is questions that will upgrade your life from legends and world-class performers, because we can all relate to, the stories of uh, people like James Clear, who, you know, talks a lot about habits and systems that support habits. I mean, we all have habits, whether they're good or bad habits, they're there in our our life. So there's a profile talking about um, how we can identify whether our habits and systems are, are supporting the person we want to be, or they're pushing us away, you know, simple as that some quick reflection to understand if we're climbing the right mountain, for example, or people like Jane Austen or Maya Angelou, Stephen Hawking. I mean, these are all, these are the legends of the past that, you know, just names that we can all recognize. Um, and again, they're just, they're small little subtle shifts in perspective to just uh, get us to pause and think, oh, wait a second. I get that. I mean, I can, I can perform a little course correction based on what I just read or, or that question. And I already mentioned it. I didn't, I didn't say this when we were speaking about it, but when I was talking about writing the next chapter, I mean, that analogy is from Jane Austen. Right. And it, it was from the idea of, you know, when I was doing the research, I mean, I wasn't this big Jane Austen fan. I mean, there are millions of people that are, but her work never became famous until 50 years after she passed away. Right. But her, her work and the fact that, you know, her novels wouldn't be the novels they are today without a diverse group of characters, some bad, some good, they all form up the, the plot. So same thing with our lives. We have all these different relationships and characters and, and chapters to our life, some good, some bad, but they all form the story, right? And it was her, you know, doing the research for her profile and writing her profile that caused me to sit back and and learn from 
you know, what happened in my world, which was the app, which was the, the corporate life, as you, you know, you brought out how that all formed, you know, my story. And here's this incredibly motivating thing, a realization, I have the power to write the next chapter and decide who the characters will be. And we all do, right? We all do. Right. And it doesn't take a lot of time, but I mean, that's the thing. Like, I'm always so blown away with questions and reflection and journaling or, or however you're doing it, right? Because for me, journaling is just reflection. Right. And the practice is reflection. So that means it could be pen to paper, it could be an, on an app, it could be an audio note, like how you're doing it, or just be speaking with someone or taking a walk. I don't care what like tool you're using, as long as the practice of reflection is taking place, i.e. thinking. And sometimes 10 minutes of thought of, okay, where do I want to go next? Literally can predict years worth of, of, of the path, right? Or prevent years worth of struggle and emotional, you know, teeter tottering and all this stuff. So it's just, I'm, you can see, I mean, I get passionate about it because I just, it's accessible to all of us. It totally is. And you know, the other thing is, so like, I love how you brought up all those questions. And then I also think of questions this way. I just actually, it's very random, but I was at this lacrosse thing and this mom came up to me and she had a question for the director, but she's like, oh, I feel, I don't know, odd saying, you know, asking her. And I said, why? The worst she could say is no. And she yes. looked at me and she's like, thank you. She goes, I feel like my mom's told me that somewhere. I was like, cause I say that all the time. If my, my children are like, well, I want to do this. I was like, go ask. The worst yes. someone can say is no, right? The worst can someone I can share say is no. Can I a story about that? Please, because I want to ask you about like all the amazing people you've had on your podcast and your book, and it just took a question, right? So please go. Yes. Okay. Well, you set me up really well in this one because the the first profile is actually uh, by on a man uh, by the name of Cal Fussman, and I'm not sure if you're he's he has a pretty popular podcast called Big Questions, but most would know him for being a career or longtime writer for Esquire magazine. Okay. And he he has interviewed, I mean, anyone you can think of, the the majority of US presidents to Muhammad Ali to you know Robert De Niro, like all of these these legendary people. And the opening of, of the profile uh, for Cal in my book is recounts a story about where this curiosity came from. Because he's known as just asking the the best questions. And his opening, his opening prompt is, how can I ask the best questions in the room? And the backstory relates perfectly to what you just mentioned. And it, it goes back to when he was a kid, and it was at the time when President Kennedy was assassinated. And uh, Lyndon B. Johnson was essentially defaulted to president. And Cal, as a young boy, I think, I want to say he was seven or something like that. He was pretty young. Right. He, he, he had all these questions in his head because he was like, does he want to be president? Like, how, how, how does he feel being right. defaulted to president in a situation like this? Like, is, is, that, is that a good thing? Is he happy? Is he sad? And the difference with Cal and everyone else that were probably thinking the same question, thinking about the same questions, is he wrote down the question with a little letter to the president or the White House and mailed it off. And within a month or so, he got a response. Wow. And he got a response from the White House. And at that time, from what he shared, uh, just by how it was written, it didn't seem like, you know, what you would probably get back today, which is like standard (laughs) template kind of letter back. (laughs) But it just, he remembers it so vividly because 
he remembers when his mom came back from the mailbox with this this letter from the White House, and you know neighbors were running into the kitchen and they opened it up, and every there was just this excitement. And for Cal, there was this realization that one question can get you to the most powerful person in the world. Oh, how cool is that? And he's never stopped asking questions ever since. And he's this iconic journalist and and writer. So it's just, again, I mean, you, 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 I I love that the example that you brought up because, you know, like what is the worst that can happen? He could, he could have just not got a response back, but at least he asked the question and had that opportunity and changed his life. Well, that's the thing because the worst you can get is no. And a lot of times it's, oh, wait, yes. Or I didn't think about that. You know what? I'm going to dive into it. And it just also, it helps you maintain your curiosity, right? I mean, so I always, I mean, and even in this world now, I I say to my kids, always ask questions and do it respectfully, right? So there's teachers, people teaching our kids things that maybe are not in our moral grounds, but it's their opinion, right? So it's their opinion. And that's, sure. that's okay, because everyone has different opinions. But there's nothing wrong with you asking a teacher, raising your hand and asking, well, why do you think that way? Especially if it's like different yeah. than mom and dad, because you're going to get a different perspective. And again, you it, don't do it in a, and my kids are not, but like, and, and anyone that's listening, you don't do it. If you don't do it in an aggressive, like confrontational way, well, can you just explain to me why you think that way? You're going to get a lot of insight into someone and maybe a perspective that you never thought of or you never heard. And it's just going to make you a better person because it's just going to grow your mind instead of living yeah. in a small hole, right? So that's the other reason why I love questions. I, um, it, it, just, it just makes you smarter. It just yeah. makes you smarter and smarter in, in the aspect of not, I'm not talking about book smarts. I'm just saying more worldly and more understanding of other humans. Um, thanks, Stephanie, you know, but it really, really does. So again, I mean, I mean, Mark, you and I could sit here and talk literally, I think all day, yeah. <laughs> maybe, for, yeah. maybe for like weeks on ends without like taking a sip of water and taking, you know, taking a nap. I just think what you're doing is just so inspiring and it's, it's really what's needed right now. So, um, I want everyone to go to behind the human. You can find that wherever, right? All your podcasts. Yeah. And they yeah, can- behind the human.com is where, where I'm at the books there, the podcasts there, then all the socials. And, um, I mean, whether it's from the book or not, I mean, just please like share the questions that work for you or that, that have been huge in your life in big moments or the ones that you reflect on, on a, on a frequent basis. I mean, I, I have, thousands of these on a on a spreadsheet collected just again to help share those for for others because everyone's going through something we're all human right and if 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 i can leave someone with a prompt or a story uh or i can you know borrow one of yours and obviously i'll give you full credit for it i mean that literally can change someone's life so please share tag all that stuff i mean i'd love to hear from you yeah i love that so okay i want to also ask you through the podcast, um, when you started that, how many years ago did you start the podcast? The podcast, I think it's almost four years but, ago yeah. now. I was, I was going to say three or four, but I wanted to <laughs> yeah. wanted to say the wrong thing. Um, and when you started it, did you have in mind where it is today or did it pivot? Because I know like my podcast started very differently. It was personal journal stories. I really just did it because I needed a creative outlet. I didn't think of it going anywhere other than just me sharing it and you know, it, having people enjoy it. And then during quarantine, I did quarantine stories where I was interviewing people and I stopped and I was like, wow, I'm really good at this. And I really love this. I love you know every 
person would say to me, you know what, you made me think of something that I hadn't think of, thought of in many years, or yeah. you made me, you asked a question that no one's ever asked me. And I was like, oh, wow, well, I know I'm curious. And I, that's always been something my parents have always said, you ask really good questions. So wait, I think I'm on to something. And that's what morphed into your next stop, which then when Fireside came, YNS Live, and then my, you know, YNS Live with the NFL thread, all kind of morphed. But was yours always pretty straight and narrow, or did you pivot and and go into different directions in, in the you know four years? I mean, it's always been the same format and objective to the show. What has changed is the expectations that I had of the show and what would come out of it. That always continues to blow my mind because, right. I mean, the, the reason the show started at the beginning, it, it was originally called Keo Conversations because the app was called Keo. And the idea was, well, I'm not, I'm not a yoga instructor. I'm not a meditation coach. And there are plenty of people in those spaces that can talk about mental fitness. They're already dialed into these practices. What about the writer, the strategist, the developer? Like those were the people I wanted to talk to because I knew they were asking questions. I knew they had something, especially right. the people that, you know, uh, their, that their minds were thriving. Like, what can we learn from those people and share those stories, for example, right? Chefs, I mean, just taking time in the early morning in the kitchen, chopping lettuce, like that's their walk with the dog, right, essentially. Right, right. So sharing those things, that, you know, it's, it, to, 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 to meet someone where they're at. Um, and that's that was the purpose of the podcast. So when we shut the app down, I mean, I remember that that was the clearest decision was, have to keep the show going. I mean, right. first of all, I just I love, love connecting and having this, you know, this dialogue that we're having right now and, and people were getting value out of it. So I just rebranded the show to behind the human, kept the same feed and all that stuff. But never in a million years would I then think that some of the content or the interviews from that show would end up in, you know, I, I should, because the book is not a, a summary of our, my interviews. It's, it's the interviews inspire the profiles. So I should right. say, Never would I have thought that those those interviews would inspire a book. And right. not just inspire a book, but also, I mean, I mentioned James Clear because he has a profile in it. But I mean, he spent 30 or 40 minutes after the interview giving first-time writer advice and introductions to editors and things like that. Oh, like, amazing. Those are the things that um, that you just can't put a value on, right? Or a price tag on. And that I feel are the, the the magic points of running the podcast. I mean, you can talk about the numbers and things like that, but it's the conversations and the connections that are And the connections. That, uh, well, especially when yeah. you're good at what you're doing. So like I got the chills when you just said that because clearly James Clear he saw something in you, right? And he was like, I want to I want to give a little to help this guy because he is on the right path. He is in the flow of what the universe and God has meant for him to be in. And so that's what I love about your story is, you know, with the app and then, you know, as, as being new, you know, new parents and then, yeah. you know, it was being like, I'm going to keep this part of it because this part feels like it still should be there. And then it just yeah. morphing into, okay, now I know that this is my next spot. So I love how it, your, your, your life just really the paths it's taken, but the people, as you said, when you connect with the right people and it just takes one. And that's what I always tell people also, like, you know, when you're an entrepreneur and you're doing all these different things, sometimes it feels like you're, you know, going against the tides, right? You're, you're fighting, you're like, oh, and then all of mm -hmm. a sudden you meet one person and it changes everything. 
And it's like, yeah. oh, wow. And so that's what I would say to people. You don't know who you're going to meet. You don't know what your that day is, but you need to just keep putting yourself out there. You need to keep meeting people, especially if you love it. Like this, when I get off of this, I'm literally going to skip downstairs. And if my husband's not on a <laughs> on a call, he's going to be like, okay, who did, who because I always come down <laughs> with the most giant smile. I pick yeah. up my kids and I'm like, oh my gosh, I just you know spoke to this guy, Mark with the C, you know, <laughs> Mark yeah. with the C, and it it made my day. And so I know I'm in the right spot. I know I'm doing the right thing. And, and that is something that um, I think is beautiful about the space. So I love that. So can you tell us also with your podcast and with the book, like literally, I'm going to say a question and then it's the first thing that comes to mind. And it might be two because it might you might be like, you have two different, but who was, and I don't want to say favorite, but someone that gave you the chills the most in, in your interviews or your research? Um, yeah, I definitely can't say favorite because my philosophy with favorites with, with questions and interviews is the same in the sense that my favorite one is my favorite because of what's happening in the current right. moment of my life, right? right? So yeah, even with the book, like as your favorite profile should be different in a few months because the book is evolving as your, your life evolves. So the one that comes to mind though the most right now, I've, I've I we talked about them, but I, it's important, I think, to share the full circle. Is it's something I'm proud of, but it also shows what's possible in the in the space, right? And when you when you're doing the work, that really lights you up. So Cal Fussman, right? So Cal, I re- I didn't know Cal. I, I reached out to him after hearing him on another show and having interviewed a few other people that I had interviewed, and just cold email, just saying, "Hey, listen right. to this episode with so and so. I've interviewed them too. Would love to get you on the show at one point." And I'll never forget that interview because up until that point, he was the type of host and, and, and journalist, especially in the audio side and video that I would pause, you know, my workout, you know, while listening to that right. because it'd hang on the words and he was right, such right. a storyteller. And I, I, I remember when he appeared on, on the recording software and I asked him the question, I just paused the mic and just shut up and did what I was supposed to do and just listen. And it was just so interesting to, to basically follow his advice on how he interviews people and his prep. Like I was doing that as well. And here's, here's the guy that I've learned, like he's on the other line here. And, and it continued, you know, and then I didn't know at that time that I was going to write a book, but I also obviously didn't know that Cal was going to be the, the first profile featured. Right. And he's the first one for a reason because all the editors and people that were reading the book early on had such feedback or great response to the profile that I'm like, well, it has to start with this. And to close the story, I sent him the book, obviously, since he was in it and whatnot. And when he got it, he, re- he sent me an email and he said, thank you so much. Uh, I was honored to be, you know, included with all these legends like Picasso and whatnot. And, and then he asked me, he's like, would you like to come on the show? Oh, wow. And I mean, I, I get, I get chills as you recounting yes, the story because, me too. you know, for me, like that's someone that just, I've learned so much from and, and started with zero connection to going full circle. And we recorded a couple of weeks ago and, you know, just not everyone knows Cal. It's not like he's Oprah or something like that. But to me, he's like Oprah, you know? Right. So, so things like that. So that's why, I mean, that one is, is sticking out the most right now. Um, and then the other, the, another profile or some of the profiles that I, I think about the most are the ones that were the hardest to write. And I think of right. Coco Chanel 
and Robin Williams were two that um, Robin Williams, both of them, I think I started and stopped three times. I'm sure. Um, right. Just because there's, you know, and I think they had a good editor because she often reminded me, and she was just almost like a writing therapist, frankly, but just reminded that, you know, you're writing four to five page profiles based on the lens of mental fitness and questions and whatnot, right? Like that's the objective. Right. You're not writing a biography. I mean, someone like right. Coco Chanel that everyone knows, and there's so there are books written about her. I mean, I'm not trying to cover every aspect of the, her life. I'm trying to get clear enough from my research and understanding to then use her life as some somewhat of a reflection of okay, well, how can we how can we grow or be better based on what 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 we know about Coco Chanel? And her opening prompt is, you know, how can I be the most uh, or how can, I'm forgetting about how can I be or what can I do to be irreplaceable? Okay. She had this presence in a room. Right. And ironically, her brands have this presence that live, you know, live past her, right? Like her perfumes and things like that. And then same thing with Robin Williams. I mean, that was a tough one because he, you know, that he took so his own life. Love. Oh, right? Robin Williams that but, still I love, I mean, he was, you know, growing up, I, you know, I just, he was one of my favorites and yeah. having him take his own life. I just remember just being like, wow. wow like that i just couldn't wrap my head around it right and i still it's very hard for me and i'm I'm sure many people uh, to understand i mean and not many i i just it it, i don't suffer from severe mental illness i know people that do um and not saying that you know i understand or not understand but uh it's something that i really I, i can't understand being that down that that's what you do and so that i just remember really i was walking my dogs actually when i think i found out uh, and i was yeah i remember that one too yeah oh my gosh i can't believe it i called my husband and i was in tears and i just said i just i'm so sad for him do you know what i mean like i'm yeah. so sad like i couldn't believe that he didn't have anyone i'm just so sad so um yeah, yeah that must have been really tough because he had such a complex life i mean the fact that he was so funny and you would just think that he was just this light, funny guy and uh, how, and then you found out so many comedians are actually yeah. go to very dark spaces and it's like, Oh, okay. I don't yeah. think about it that way. Right. Yeah. Well, and he just through the research, I also discovered, I mean, he, he was suffering from what he wasn't just in a, uh, and I want to say just, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't just depression for him. I mean, he, he had a, he had another disease that was there that I think most didn't know of. I think it was called Louis Body's dementia. I could be something could right. be wrong, but something like that that really, I mean, I, no one knows for sure, but I think really affected uh, what happened at the end. But the point being, at least on my side, was to respectively respectively cover some of that information. But how do we? What can we learn from the right. Robin that we all knew? And his question is, you know, how can I be unapologetically myself? Mm-hmm. And there's so, there was just so much. I mean, I, I'm smiling now just thinking of him and, and like my right. heart feels full and warm. Um, there's so much there from that human that we all remember that was just on another level. Another in level. his field, right? There's, there's a ton of quotes in the profile from other comedians that it's just another level. So... Yeah, so all to say, I mean, th- those are the hardest ones to write, but probably the the ones I got the the most out of them out of out of them myself as well. Right. And and there are the one they are the ones that continually come up from from interviews and whatnot because people are resonating with them. So we'll see. I mean, you know, yeah. as you know, I'm I'm passionate about this work, and I just want to provide 
accessibility to thinking about questions in a different way because we're all asking them. And I love that we're asking good ones and that they're well-timed and there's so much we can learn from others and it doesn't take a lot of time. That's the other thing. So we'll see where this goes, but I mean, that's my work. I mean, that's what you'll hear on the podcast and we'll see where the journey goes from now. But this is what I like the the present moment. Like this is what lights me up. I get to speak to people like you and, and I'm the same way. I mean, I'm going to run downstairs too and, and make lunch and I'm just like in a flow state because of you. Right. So thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you. I appreciate it. So I want, I would love, and I totally agree everything that you just said. I mean, I feel like we're very connected in, in our thoughts, which is wonderful. And we just met, right? We have not, that's yeah. what I want people to also understand. It's like meeting other people that are in different realms, different worlds, different whatever. I mean, you're in, in Canada, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm in, in New York. I mean, it's just, and we didn't know each other and we didn't really get to know each other before, but getting little snippets, I knew that Mark and I were going to connect and this was going to be a great, you know, interview and, and conversation, really more of a conversation that, you know, my listeners are going to get something from it. So I would love for, first of all, for you to shout out where everyone can find you again. So like people that are driving, I don't want them to be writing stuff down. It's all going to be in the show notes and you're going to be able to see the replay very soon. And that will go out on the RSS feed, you know, for your next stop in a couple of weeks. Um, but shout out where people can find you. Yes, behindthehuman.com. That's the easiest thing to remember, I hope at least, behind the yes. human. Behind, I love it, behindthehuman.com. And then I would love for you to leave us with this in just really one sentence. What do you think changed the most in you after you wrote your book? Putting attention and priority on being present. Presence has been the, 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 the key learning. I mean, because if you can... When you're curious, you're also present, Yes. right? And if I can be present going through this whole book launch experience, I'll get the most out of it. And so will others on the other side. And I'm less concerned about outcomes and lists and all of these different things, which was the case primarily for the app, right? Right. Um, so presence though, no one can take that from me either, right? And, and you feel the presence, I feel the presence, and we all win. I love that. I love that. So guys, go grab Personal Socrates. You can find it everywhere. You know, go to Mark's uh, website, behindthehuman.com. And you can also see his podcast, you know, or he, and hear his podcast, behindthehuman.com. But I am literally when I get off of this, I'm getting the audible, because this is going to be another thing that I do when I this is another thing that I do when I love when I walk my dogs is sometimes just drowning myself in really wonderful stories. And I cannot wait to get into your stories. So thank you, Mark, so much for joining YNS Live. And thank you, everyone, for listening, wherever you're listening. You guys, share this episode because you know it's just going to make someone's day better. If you like what you hear, let us know. Reach out to Mark. Mark, where can people reach out to you as well? I know they can probably find it in behindthehuman.com. Yeah, it's all there. I mean, on Instagram, I'm uh, there's it's behind the human at behind the human or my name personally, M Champagne, spelled same as the bubbly. Uh, on LinkedIn as well and Twitter, so I'm accessible. You'll you you can find me. Wonderful, wonderful. All right, guys. Well, we will see you later. I'm going to bring up the music as we go out. And Mark, again, thank you so much for joining YNS Live. I so appreciate it. And just love everything you're doing, and I'm so happy to be connected. Me too. It's no secret. Bye, everyone.